0: You've heard the story. How well do you know the author, the one behind the story, who knows you and calls you by name? How do you learn about this one who is shrouded in mystery? Each name of God in scripture provides important brushstrokes, each with its distinctive hues and lines that ultimately combine to provide a compelling and beautiful picture Of the one true God. But be prepared, it will totally change what you think about God, and it will change your life. Hey, Mountain. Happy Father's Day to everyone. If you don't know who the fathers are, just look around. They're the guys that have uh, pictures in their wallet where their money used to be. That's how you know. That's how you know what a dad is. You know, uh, Father's Day is kind of tough for a lot of people trying to figure out what to what to buy. It's always a big, big dilemma in a lot of families. They debate about what to get them, something practical, a tool or something for the grill. You know, and most of the time the debate ends in a tie. Right over the heads of most of the mountain people. We're, um, we're in a series we just began last week called A.K.A. God. A.K.A. God. And we've just worked our way through the entire Bible in a series called The Story. Now we want to spend some deliberate attention getting to know the author uh, to really uh, enter into um, some kind of new understanding of God. I don't care where you are with God, whatever you think you do or don't know about God, this is a great opportunity to, to let the real you come to a real relationship with the real God. That's what, that's what we're after. And of course the tricky part that we're paying attention to is that real God part because we have a lot, everyone's got an idea about what God's like, right? Everyone's got a thought about who God is, what He's like, what it means to be in a relationship with Him. Everyone's got an opinion. And so God end up, ends up getting put in these little boxes, you know, and He ends up being a lot more like us or somebody we know. And so what we want to do in this series is just let God speak for himself. Just let God kind of say, here's who I am and what I'm like and what it means to be in relationship and let that come to a new understanding for all of us. After all, as A.W. Tozer had said, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So we're going to let God out of the box and let him speak for himself and he's eager to do that. He's eager to have a relationship with you. Beyond rules and rituals and religion, he wants a relationship with the real you and you've got to know the real God. Now, the way that the real God reveals himself is through his word, through his son, through his creation, through so many different ways, but through his names is a way we get to know God. We began last week by looking at the, the personal name of God, Uh, which is Yahweh. Yahweh, this personal name, used about 7,000 sometimes in the Bible. And this this name Yahweh means I am. I am the one. I am present. I am the one who will be there with you. I am conveys so much, among other things. God is wanting to say I am with you, and He is big. You know, we're no bigger than a speck of dust on a dust mite's rear end compared to this God. And this God says I know your name and I love you. Now this week we're going to look at a, a different name, title, description of God and it's very fitting on a, on a weekend like this. We're going to look at this idea of father. Father. Now we just have to be really honest here and say that this, uh, this image of father may be a very, very good thing for you. It might be an easy jump to think of father and find a warm relationship with God around that image. We also have to acknowledge that for a lot of people that idea of father may not be a very good thing or it may be a very mixed bag or a confusing image. A lot of it has to do with what kind of dad you had or have or what kind of relationship you still have or what you think about fathers. If your dad abused you or abandoned you or wasn't there for you or was emotionally absent or... You know, it's kind of hard to see how you'd want to warm up for this idea of father, I would think. What are we going to do with the fact that about a third of kids in America today are growing up at home without a father? A third. That's probably a third of us, maybe. I don't know. So we just got to be careful because this is exactly the kind of thing that happens when we end up start stuffing God in a box. So we start reacting to God one way or the other, like him or don't like him, based on another image that we have of him. And it's called, you know, you know just like my dad-ism. This is just-like-my-dadism is a problem that a lot of people get into. You can only imagine God being like your earthly father is or was. So if my dad was a jerk, I think God's a jerk. Well, what, who wants a relationship with a jerk? So if, if my dad wasn't there when I need him, I figure God's the same way. Or if my dad was super permissive, then I'm going to have a hard time when God calls me to something deeper to say yes or to obey him. If my dad was a drunk and I never knew which dad version of dad was going to show up at the party or come home it's hard to trust a god like that if you if your dad gambled away you you, you know a a lot of his life and and your family provision uh, or, or or if he was more into himself than he was the family these are these are hard images of father to really get excited about trusting aren't they if your dad was strict or stern or hypercritical you know that's why a lot of people think of god that way and we end up stuffing them in this, that, that, that's, that's just like dadism, see? So, so the problem is that when we let our image of our dad be the image of God as father, especially in a world where most images of father that are portrayed on television, especially, you know, in the sitcoms, the, the bungling, incompetent, clueless buffoons, you know, that's who, that's who fathers are, or maybe, it, all of these things, even the best dads are far short far, far short of being worthy of defining our understanding of God as Father. So I just really believe as we dive into this today, there's probably a whole lot of us that need some rethinking on this and probably some, honestly, some healing. That may be hard for you, but we need some healing in terms of Father. And Father God can provide that. You know, what, happens, what needs to happen for a lot of us is described by Keith Miller. He, he, he was telling one time, um, you know, he's saying every believer needs to take the third step of the 12-step program. If you don't know about 12-step program, I tell you, every, everyone needs to take, especially this third step. And that's basically where you turn your life over to God. You surrender to God. You say, okay, I am not, and you are the, the higher power, and you trust Him, and you surrender. And there's one guy starting in the program says, I don't want to do that. What would I want to do that for? I don't want to turn my life over to God. He thought of God as a policeman and he had a lot of running with the cops. So frankly, his image of God wasn't very good. Makes sense. He says, God, if I turn my life over to God, you know, he'd probably ruin me and I'd deserve it. That was his thinking. Maybe you can relate. The old timer was listening and he said, oh, what you need to do, you need to fire that God. You got the wrong God. The God who operates around here is strong but loving and a forgiving Father who gives you as many second chances as you need till you're ready to surrender to Him. He's honest and He's fair and He'll be there for you. Yeah, I I, I had a God like yours when I started out too, but I had to fire Him and get a new God. And the man asked, well, what can I do about a God if I fire mine? And the old-timer says, well, you can use mine until you get on your feet. Now, when I first heard that, it kind of bugged me. Maybe it bugs you right now. Talking about the supreme being. You can't exactly fire ultimate reality, you know. But the more I think about it, the more I, I'm convinced it's absolutely right for my life, for your life. We've got to really press into the concept of God, our operational definition and understanding of what God is in a lot of us. Maybe you. I don't care if you've grown up in the church or you're brand new to this. You've got an operational definition of God. If you don't have a real relationship with the real God and the real you, it's probably because you need to fire your God. You just fire him. Tell him he's done. And let Jesus take you and say, here, you can borrow mine. Let me introduce you to the real Father that you've really been looking for your whole life. A lot of us need to just kind of take our understanding of of God and stop defining our understanding of God based on our understanding of Father and start understanding what Father God is like. And when we do, it'll help us begin to have a real relationship with God and we're going to talk about that today. And it'll also help us, when we begin to understand really what Father God is like, it'll help us understand what a father is supposed to be like. Our Father shouldn't define God. God defines Father. And it turns out God's eager to show us what kind of father He is in Scripture. The Hebrew word for God in the Bible is is Ab. It would be spelled like in English like A-B or some pronounce it with a V. Av. Or pronounce sometimes Haav. So that's the word for father. Haav, And it's used a lot in the Bible to describe God as the father of the world, the father of His people, the father of Jesus of Bethlehem, and the father of every believer. It's used in a lot of ways. And then over in the New Testament it's the same God our Father. 1 Corinthians 8 says, Yet for us there is one God the Father from whom are all things for whom we exist and one Lord Jesus Christ through whom are all things and through whom we exist. So there's that, that Father God of all people. And even for those who maybe feel like, yeah, but you're not talking to me yet because you feel like maybe you had a dad but, he, but wasn't much of one or you never knew your dad. You know, we've got some friends right now from this church that are in Romania and they're hanging out with some some kids, a lot of them in orphanages and homes because they don't have parents. We've got, we've got another group that said, you know what, we're going to go serve some kids in, uh, on a reservation in Arizona. And a lot of those kids don't have dads and, and parents. And what we're wanting them to know is the same thing that you need to know is that God can be your father. I, I, Psalm 68 says this, God is a father even to the fatherless. And so I don't know what kind of father wound you have. Probably all of us have some father wound or other, even if the best dads. But the Bible, as it talks about father, it's more than just a biological thing. Father is a spiritual idea that means the source of our life. When we come home to father, we're coming home to ourselves and what we really were meant for. And so one of the amazing things you see is that Jesus talks so much about the father in the New Testament. He talks about father 181 times. But every 140 words, Jesus is talking about the Father because He's describing this awesome relationship that He, the Son, had with the Father. So we have this beautiful mystery of God coming to us in three persons. You've got, you've got this God making Himself known to us as Yahweh, the I Am, the Father, and then Jesus, the Savior, the Son, and then the Holy Spirit together, one God in these three persons. And God and Jesus, when He's in flesh on the earth, keeps talking about, My Father sent Me. I and My Father are one. I want to do the will of My Father i abide with the father i'm close to the father i love the father i want to please the father the father and i are on the same page if you've seen me you've seen the father and get this this is the mind-blowing thing is that jesus says that the reason he came is so that you could enjoy that same kind of relationship with the father we can call god our father And remember, He is our very source and our origin, our creator, our beginning. But we got cut off from that. That's what the whole story was about. God trying to get us back. Remember the story? We lost our way. All of us, every single one of us is an orphan destined for eternal separation from our Father because we've been fooled by the Father of lies, destined to spend eternity with the Father of darkness. And Jesus shows up and says, The Father sent me. I'm on a mission from the Father. I'm the son of the Father. And here's the deal. You want back to the Father? It's where you really belong Come on, I'll show you. Follow me because I am the way to the Father and the truth and the life. And this was Jesus' central mission and His central message to you is that you can have a restored relationship with the thing and the one you love and long for the most whether you know it or not and that's your God as your Father. Friend, listen, God is the Father that you've been looking for your whole life. You might have had a bad dad. You might have had a mediocre dad, a good dad, an awesome dad. It doesn't matter. There's holes and there's nothing that a human dad is... You know, they give us good gifts, I hope, but, but we're meant to long most of all for our, our Father in heaven. I talked to a girl yesterday. She didn't have a dad at all. She says, I don't even know what I'm missing. But God is the Father that she's looking for. He's the Father we've all been looking for our whole lives. And the way that that happens in Scripture is beautifully described as God... God doesn't, you know, it's not like some weird ancient religions where God somehow sires everybody or whatever. No, it's like God adopts us. God adopts us. And we love adoption around here. We love the idea and we believe people and families that are opening their hearts and homes to adopt children and foster them are heroes and we love you and want to encourage you and say keep it up. And we want to believe that everyone should have some stake in adoption in our world today because of what's going on globally, I want to say, if you're not able to open your home to it, will you open your heart and your pocketbook to it and help those who are? And God bless you, those who are in process right now. We love you and you're you're heroes in this place. But think about what happens when a child is adopted. They're, They're given an incredible gift. They're giving the gift of being chosen and affirmed at a very deep level that they're wanted, that they're desired that they're not alone in the world, that they're not abandoned, but that, that rather they were selected intentionally and they have incredible worth and they are the object of affection. You know, my kids aren't adopted, but I wanted them to know that they had all those things about them. You know, my, my, my daughter, Ellie, she's going to be 10th grade now, but you know, many, many times in her life, especially when she was younger, you know, grab her, look at her, or lying on the bed, talking or whatever, I would, I would say to her, you know, Ellie, if I could take all the girls in the world I could line them all up end to end and, look and, go and choose anyone I wanted for my own. I would choose you. I would choose you. She'd probably usually say something like, oh, Dad, you'd have, you'd have to pick me. You're stuck with me. You know, whatever. But I didn't care what she said because I believed that something vital to her well-being was being drilled down into her little soul. That it somehow maybe she would cling to the truth that she was loved and adorable and that she was chosen and special. And wanted. See, being chosen like that, if you choose to believe that, it adds a kind of value to you at an inner core level. You can't always explain it, but it, it gives you a kind of strength out of which you live and move. If you really believe that you have worth because someone has chosen you and wants you and loves you and unconditionally believes in you, And it can save you from all kinds of terrible wasted time, a haunting insecurity that drives so many people through life. So many people trying to prove themselves to someone. It, It saves you from the fear of rejection or falling apart when you fail, and you will. All of that is softened and changed when a person opens their soul to the possibility that despite what I feel like, despite what I see in the mirror, despite what happened to me, I am loved, I'm dearly beloved, I'm chosen, and I'm wanted. It's no secret that girls who don't hear that from their dads or anyone else in their life are the ones who are most prone to wind up in the arms of some other young guy who says the right things to her but can never deliver what she's really looking for. There's no secret about that, why that happens that way. And see, friends, this is what adoption can mean. It tells the child the primary truth about you is not that you were left or abandoned or not wanted or a a bad expense or, or a problem. The primary truth about you is that you are loved, you are chosen, you are selected, you are wanted, and this is the truth that the Bible says over and over and over again God wants you to know about you. You can be God's chosen adopted one if you'll just say yes and come to Him. This is what the Father has done for us, adopting us into His family. That means if you're adopted by God from this day forward, it doesn't matter what you do or don't do. The most important truth about you is who you are, not what you do. And you are a child of God. That's awesome. That's a big deal. Paul, The Apostle Paul was talking to a group, group of Christ followers one day, and they were still all very caught up in the religious rule-keeping, trying to be good children of Abraham, you know, by following all the rules, the religious rules. And Paul says, relax, he says. Galatians 3.26, he says, You're already children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. Through faith, by believing in Jesus. All of you who were baptized into Christ have already clothed yourselves with Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. And you're heirs according to the promise. You're heirs. You're in the will. All the benefits and privileges of being a child of God, it's all coming to you. That's why Jesus came. Verse 4. But when the time set had fully come, God sent His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law that we might receive adoption, being children of God. Verse 7. So you're no longer a slave. A lot of people think of your relationship with God, your father, as slave. Like, you know, you work real hard until he's not looking. But no, you're not a slave. You're God's child. And since you're God's child... God's made you an heir. Usually when you're an heir, you wait for someone else to die and the good comes to you. This Jesus already died and the good comes to you. And when you die, it even gets better. That's what it means to be an heir. Why? Because God loves you. 1 John 3, 1. See how very much our Father... What's the word? Love. See how much our Father what? Loves us. What What are you talking about? Well, He calls us His children. In fact, He's made us. That's what we are, His children. I want to talk about some of that love today. I want to talk about two sides of the Father's love because they're both really, really important and they're kind of held in tension. And they'll unlock the possibility for some of us to move closer to God and have a real relationship with Him. I want to talk about two sides of Father love. And, and, and they'll also help dads know how to be a dad. If you're anyone who has an opportunity to lead a child influence in their life, a father, a grandparent, an uncle or an aunt, a surrogate, a friend, a mentor, a cousin, someone, single mom, I don't care who you are, these are the two sides of father's love that are really, really important. So let's talk about it. Father love. And the first side of father love is that God... Shows us a love that God is Father as tough love. Everybody say the word tough. Tough. Now sound like you're tougher. Come on, say tough. 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 Because sometimes love is tough. There's a tough love side of God. Sometimes it's a strong kind of love. It's not weak. It's strong. It does does what's difficult, even. And there's lots in the Bible about this strong arm and the uh, of God. This is a God that makes that feels kind of like He's a patriarch, like He's the strong, able Father over us, the revered Ancient of Days. And sometimes this is there's kind of a discipline that this God administers. So I'm going to write the word. Uh, uh, affliction of discipline. Sometimes you feel kind of afflicted by that kind of strong, tough love. And sometimes it even hurts. It's like, yeah, wow, that didn't feel very good because of the strong, tough love of God. Isaiah 64, verse 8 says, O Lord, that's the word Yahweh. Remember, it's all capital. So Yahweh, you're our Father. And then it says, we are the clay and you are the potter. We are the work of your hand. It's like your life is a blob of clay. It gets thrown on the, the potter's wheel going around like this like a record player used to, right? And the potter's hands come in there and they press in firmly around you because he wants to shape you and make you into what you're meant to be, your best self. And, and, and that means the blob that you are right now isn't there yet. And so as the, as the potter's hands come in there, what he hopes is that we'll say, mold me and make me after your will. But we don't always say that. Sometimes, because the, the potter's hands sometimes press in. We needs to be a dent where, where there's not one right now, and that doesn't feel very good. He's got to knock off some things out of our lives that don't belong there anymore. He's going to have to smooth out some edges, of some habits and some attitudes, some actions, some thoughts, some selfishness, and those things, sometimes they hurt. When, when Father Potter God shows some tough love in our life, where are you feeling the tough love of God right now in your life? Are you aware where God is wanting to, to bring some change into your life? To knock something off of your life? To add something new in? A new curve or a new turn? And sometimes we resist it. We say, I don't want to stop that. I don't want, I want that. I, I, I don't want that handle there. I, I don't want to be like that. But every good father knows how to show tough love if he's going to help shape us into what we need to be. The Bible talks about God chastening us and Shaping us. He wants to develop character in you and faith and strength and those things don't happen without some tough love. I put out a message on Facebook and Twitter this week and invited some help just to say, hey y'all, talk to me about times when your father showed you some tough love, some discipline that felt pretty awful at the time but later you came to appreciate. Boy, I got some good stuff back. Doug said, my dad grounded me for a week for playing with fire in a ditch right next to a wheat field. Yikes. But he, he, got, he paid a consequence there. Proverbs 13 says, He who loves his children is careful to discipline them. Love and discipline go together. It's the tough love. Jennifer said, There was one time during my preteens that my father kept asking me, Hey, clean up your room. Clean up your room. He finally said if I didn't do it, he would throw everything away in the trash. I pushed my luck. I didn't believe him. I didn't do it. Later that day, all my belongings that weren't put away in my room I found outside in a big black trash bag next to the garbage can. I learned real quick my dad meant business and I needed to clean my room. I love that guy. I want to meet him. <laughs> I got some stuff he can bag up. Sometimes a father has to do what he says he's going to do. Dads, you've got to follow through. It's not nicer to your kids when you fail to enforce Common rules and go all soft on them. Your goal as a father is not to raise a bunch of irresponsible slobs. That reflects on you and your responsibility. You you, you need to shape them. And so you're the potter sometimes. And sometimes that may hurt and they'll tell you you're unfair and you're the meanest worst dad in the world and I hate you and all that stuff. Because sometimes tough love hurts. But if you don't show it, then you're not really loving. So there's some tough love for you. Parents got to be strong. Don't waffle on discipline. You're only hurting your child and robbing them of a chance to grow. So they will probably whine. They will complain, just like the, 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 the clay on the wheel. But if they break the rules about texting at the dinner table or too many video games or talking back or whatever, enforce it. Don't be mean. Don't be a jerk. But whatever they call you, you're not the worst parent in the world because if you're fair and you're consistent and you're kind about it, but still firm and tough, you'll actually be a whole lot more like God than if you said it didn't matter. Kimberly wrote in and said When I was 19 years old, I moved to California, and my time there ended pretty badly. I drove back across the country, physically and emotionally beaten by an ex boyfriend. I returned to my father's home on a Sunday night, humbled and broken. He woke me up at 6 a.m. the next morning, Monday morning, and said I need to go get a job, and I shouldn't come home until I had one. I thought he was mean and insensitive. But I came home that night not only with a job, but my self-esteem intact. And I know Kimberly today, and she's a tough mother and a good mom, and I think might have had a little bit to do with that. Charles said one of my brothers was fooling around in college. He was getting bad grades, partying a lot, and that kind of thing. One Saturday, my dad showed up there and told him to pack his stuff, put it in the car. He drove him to a rough area of town, a real slum area. He told him since he decided to be a bum, he would just give him a head start. Didn't see why he needed to waste any more of his money on college, so he put all his stuff on the street, told him to get out of the car, and then my dad drove away. My brother said at first he was mad, but then he got scared, and then he started to cry out to himself about another chance. It was a long day. About 6 p.m., he was dropped off at 9 a.m. that morning. My father came back. He pulled up, rolled down the window, and said, do you want to try again? Of course, my brother humbly said yes, and they packed the stuff back in the car and they headed back to college. And my brother graduated summa cum laude with a degree in economics. When my brother asked him later, Why'd you do all that, Dad? That was so mean. You left me on the streets all by myself that day. My dad told him, well, I was sitting around the corner the entire day watching you. (laughs) Maybe you feel like God's been too tough on you, taking too big of a beating from God. Well, you probably got yourself into it. Maybe not. Not all sufferings, chastening from God. Sometimes he has to knock some things off of us. I want you to be encouraged by several verses from Hebrews chapter 12. Listen to this. This is from the Word of God. Verse 5, and have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and he punishes each one he accepts as his child. Verse 7, as you endure the hardship of God's discipline, remember God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who's never disciplined by his father? Verse 9, since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? Verse 10, for our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years doing the best they knew how, but God's discipline is always good for us so that we might share in His holiness. No discipline is enjoyable while it is happening. Can I get an amen? It's painful, but afterward... There will be a harvest, a peaceful harvest of right living for those who are trained in this way. God loves us, and sometimes that love is tough, and that makes us kind of want to respect Him even more, doesn't it, as Father? And, and, and this kind of tough love is the kind of love that we know to trust after a while. This is the kind of God who's going to protect and provide for us. That's how God loves us. And dads, you've got to be the same way. You've got to love your kid like that. You've got to step up. Some of you dads are lacking in this area. And you need to grow in tough love. Don't make mom be the, the only tough one if you've got a mom in the home. Back her up. Play as a team. Be consistent. Your job isn't to protect your kids from all pain. It's to realize they're going to have a lot greater pain in life if you don't help them experience hardship, consequences, fairness, now. So what's your plan to show tough love, dads? you got to have a plan. you got to have some goals. You want your kid to have a good work ethic? How's that going to happen? I promise that won't happen automatically. You want them to be honest? What are you going to do when they lie to you? You've got to have a plan. If you want to have them be responsible when they leave the house, it, there might have to be some responsibility now and that might not happen just by their idea. What character qualities do you really want to be in your kids by the time they're 21 years old? How are you going to ensure that that happens? If I asked your kids, what's really important in your home? What would they say are the top three things? And are they the same things that you are hoping to convey? If not, get a plan. What are you going to do in the next two weeks that will help shape the heart of your kids? That's tough love. That's who God is, and that's what a good father figure is as well. Now, the second aspect of Father love is equally important and actually they both have to go together. They're like flip sides of the same coin, but they'll really help you understand and relate to God and also help you as a father or a father figure. And now we're talking about God as a father of tender love. Everybody say tender. Oh, come on, you can say it more tender than that. Tender, yeah. That's the love of God. It's it's the kind of love that's not so much strong as it is soft. And by soft, I don't mean weak. It's, it's gentle but firm like a velvet-covered brick. That's God. It's not so much about patriarch. It's Papa. It's not so much about affliction of discipline. It's like affection from a doting father. You're the apple of my eye, the Bible says. It's not so much that we feel hurt around this kind of love. We feel help and we feel healing and hope. It's not so much that we feel reverence and respect as much as we can rest in this kind of Father's presence because He's got our back and He loves us and we can just take our problems to Him. He's not so much a provider and a protector under this side of His love. He's a place where we go for peace when our world is turned upside down because we know, Dad will be there for us. The Bible talks about the father as a father who feeds the birds. He's certainly going to love you. Psalm 103 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Over in Galatians, it says this in verse 6, Because you are his children, God sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts. So you have God's Spirit in your heart, and that Spirit inside of you will teach you to say to God, God, Abba, Father. Now that word Abba, maybe some of you haven't heard before. But it's the Aramaic word, the, the word that Jesus would have used in everyday speech. It's the Aramaic word for Daddy. Abba, Father. It's a, it's a term of endearment. It's a soft, gentle word that little kids use around their daddy. It's Papa. It's Daddy. It's not the one where you break something and they say, they say your full name. And you say, yes, Father, it's not that one. It's the one where you're giggling on the floor or tickling or laughing or when you come crying with a skinned knee. And you say, Daddy, it's a term of endearment and affection and belonging and relationship. And here's the mind-blowing truth. This little Abba word is describing this cosmic I am Yahweh God. The disciples were considering this, my, this, this huge, fierce, strong creator, judge God, the one before whom we all face one day. And they said, H- Jesus, how do, we, how do we pray? How do we talk to a God like that? And Jesus said, oh. You start out by saying, Daddy, you're awesome and holy. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. The, the word he used... Abba you can talk to the God of the universe by calling him your dad without fear because he's made you his child the most important thing about your life is not what you do for God it's who you are in relationship to God and God has said if you'll trust me you're my child you are Abba's child But friend, you can have a relationship with God if you're willing to fire whatever version of God is keeping you from it. And let Jesus say, here, you can use mine. And let Him show you what Father God is really like and His tough and His tender side especially. This Abba God means that when your life is hard, when you're feeling kind of rejected, you can bring that to Abba, Daddy God. Maybe you couldn't bring that kind of stuff to your earthly father or you didn't feel comfortable. You can bring it to your Abba Father. You can bring your fear, your hurt, and your rejection, your anger, your baggage, your insecurities, all the wounds. Bring it all to the God of the universe and call Him Daddy. Draw close. Put your face in His belly. He puts His arms around you, kisses your head and says, Welcome home. I'm hoping that today some of us will come home. Come to our senses and go to the Father. Come home to the place we really, really long to be. And that's with a Father who's tough and tender, knows your name, and loves you. And fathers, dads and other father figures you got to be the same way you got to be strong but soft some of you are some of you are too tough you never let that abba side show you need to you need to you need to get around to it you need to be gentle you got to listen got to close your mouth sometimes you got to stop fixing everything turn your family over to the father in heaven let him fix your family Try to understand what's going on. Touch in healthy, wholesome ways. Pray for Let them see you praying for Say, I'm sorry. Give them time. Love them with no strings attached and answer the question that every kid wants to know. Do I have what I take? Am I beautiful? Answer that question with words. Don't be one of those people that raises kids who say, yeah, I never heard it from my dad. I don't know what he thinks. Tell them. It's unconditional love. Help them learn, most of all, to lean on their Heavenly Father who will give them all the tough love and the tender love they need. We want to pray for dads right now. So I'm going to ask all the dads, I'm going to ask you to stand up. Go ahead, dads, if you would. Old dads, young dads, new dads, good dads and bad dads, that should cover about all of us. It's hard being a dad. And what we're going to do right now is we're a praying church, we're going to pray for these guys. I'm going to ask you if you're a kid or a spouse or someone standing near him. you just put your hand on them, put your arm around them, grab them. And everyone else, don't let any dad be standing alone here right now. I'd love to have some hands on shoulders, and you might have to move a little bit. Everyone else stand up as well, if you will. Get around these dads. You might have to move out of your seat, whatever, but do it quickly. Get around these dads, put a hand on their shoulder, and let's go to God and ask God to help them and bless them. Let's pray. God, our Father in heaven, first of all, we pray that you'll help all of us to receive your love. Help us to receive your tough love and the changes that that need to be made in our lives. Help us to receive your tender love. Some of us are so resistant to that, to believing that we're loved. Heal us, O God. We pray all of us. And now, especially, we pray for these guys. It's hard, it's tough being a dad. It's got a lot of joys and there's happy dance days, but there's tough days. So I pray for these men that you will make them stronger than they can be in their own strength. That you'll make them wiser than they can be in their own wisdom. That you'll make them fair, that you'll make them selfless. Most of all, God, will you help them to be smart enough to reach out to you, their Heavenly Father. Make them men of God. Help them to surrender to you so that they can connect to you deeply and out of that serve those around them, their family. Bless them, strengthen them, and enrich them for being here today and because of these prayers and your goodness. We pray in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Grab a seat if you would. Let's give it up for dads. We're going to share in a time of communion right now together. And uh, it reminds me of how Father's Day is, it's like an excuse or an opportunity to, to think about your dads. And I know for a lot of people that's difficult, that's pretty painful and ugly. For others of us, it's beautiful. I'm one of those guys. This is my dad, John Kacharis, he's my hero. I'll use Father's Day as an excuse to call him and tell him some things I don't tell him enough, but how much I love him, how much I'm grateful for the sacrifices he's made for me, and how I still draw a strength out of what he's given me that I can't fully explain, and how, like every kid, however old, you still want him to be happy with you and pleased. Jesus was the same way with his father. He said, I want to abide with you, Father. I want to please you, Father, and I thank you, Father. And at communion, this is the time for all of us to come and experience that same thing. Maybe you won't ever have that in your earthly dad. Maybe you're one who needs a father to the fatherless. Communion is an opportunity. Your your relationship with God is an opportunity to do that. Whether your dad was great or gosh awful or somewhere in between, come here right now to this table and tell God thank you for all of your sacrifices for me. I want to be close to you. I want to love you. I want to please you. Enjoy that relationship in these moments, will you? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for sending your Son. We thank you for our fathers, for the good and the bad we receive from them. Most of all, we thank you for Jesus. We ask you, oh God, in his name, will you fill us with your love? so we might serve you better. In Jesus' name, amen.